your host, Jake Weaver. Engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody. We're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we are here to give you more knowledge, more light, more love. Thank you for joining us today. We have an incredible guest, incredible guest I'm super excited about. His name is Josh Hernandez. He founded Section Z Records. He has incredible history in the electronic music scene. We're going to get to him in just a second. I'm so excited he's here. First, first, I have to ask you to just do a few things for me. First, first thing, friends, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That's the address. That's how we do it now. It's 21st century. It's now 2021. Hello, 2021. Go to Instagram. Please follow me. Also, if you're a Spotify user, please follow me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you go to get your podcast, please like, comment, follow, whatever the button says to do, you know, like join. I, I don't know. Do it though for me. <laughs> and the biggest thing is that I always say is please, please, please tell a friend because without word of mouth, without you telling the people you know that like these type of podcasts, this type of conversation, without you telling them, they, they just, it's going to be that much longer until they figure it out. You know, so you got to be there for me. Emissary of lights, emissary of love in your neighborhood, at your job. Tell your friends, midnight on earth. <laughs> so now that uh, we got that out of the way, I would like to introduce you to Joshua Hernandez. And I'm going to read a bio that we have for him right here. Josh Hernandez is an incredible human, massive influence on the modern EDM culture and longtime stalwart of the electronic music scene. Josh founded Section Z Records, which was an electronic record label and artist management company. Having its origins in 1999 and closing its doors in 2016, Section Z was an artist collective which spawned the careers of hundreds of electronic musicians, including Dead Mouse, huge name, Dead Mouse, Savant, another huge name, Virtual Riot, Toby Emerson, Liquid Flow, Caster, Muji, Zansky, Mr. Bill, Siren Seol, that guy, oh my God, and countless others. Okay, countless others. Sorry, I just went a little tangent there. <laughs> Section Z consistently found and grew the artists who emerged to define the new sounds of EDM. And they empowered the musicians themselves through peer connections and support. Currently, Josh Hernandez is heading up Zion Management and Consulting, which is the evolution of Section Z and furthers those same pursuits. Hello, Josh. How are we feeling today? Hey, hey. Thanks I, for the intro. Yeah. Did you like that bio? That was pretty amazing, huh? That, that's good. There's I appreciate it. There's not one thing that's inaccurate about that bio. I have to tell you, you've been a huge force in the electronic music scene over the last 20 years. And I just appreciate your efforts. It's, it's interesting. Cause like I've been the guy who just never wanted to take pictures with their artists and just been in the background this whole time. And 
uh, you know, you get the work done, but uh, those were to me, medieval times compared to where we're going next. Well, you're um, here, you're in the now, not only were you there then, but you're here now. And right now is just important as then we're just in the waves constantly in the midst of it. Well, it's, it's just being able to witness just so many changes over the years from when, you know, the bedroom composer was not a real term to now it's a whole cottage industry, right? We have millions of artists around the world uh, that are aspiring to become, you know, a, a known name brand um, in the electronic music scene. And there's so many different scenes and sub scenes within that. And I remember when there was none of this, <laughs> you know, it was just a few genres. I remember dancing in clubs where Paul Oakenfold and Tiesto, they were in the booth, but we didn't give a fuck. <laughs> we were dancing and we were listening to the music and enjoying um, what was happening uh, with our friends and on the dance floor. And, uh, you know, it just, just seeing all that history pass and, and, and become something uh, as big as it is today is great. But understanding that this is just the foundational layer for if it's 10,000 artists today viable around the world, maybe even uh, more than that, in 100 years from now, it's, it's going to be a million. Yeah, and it's exponentially million. growing and electronic right. music and all its various subgenres. If you just collect it all as electronic music, it's been a massive force in the music industry within the last 20 years. And in fact, it's dominated the world music industry wouldn't you say well the access to technology to create music is really uh what's changed the game uh you can you know from a craft perspective create uh a full <laughs> hit in a day and <laughs> no and and nobody will be in your way you can do that completely alone you can do it with tens and thousands of vocal samples um, that are accessible to you uh, like on the fly with things like splice you can uh literally acquire the knowledge in the course of a week to write your own sound vsc plugins yeah the technology um, has advanced so much that literally you can have the equivalent of a multi-million dollar studio of the 70s or 80s or even the 90s in a one computer with a couple accessories well that shit's in your pocket now <laughs> <laughs> i guess you so know, it's even micronized down to the pocket level yeah your de your desktop is a few of those it's also a 3d it's also a 3d studio a video game making machine it's <laughs> it's 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 right now your lifeline to your friends and family. It's, yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a very powerful device. Right, and also it's given so much freedom to these artists who may have felt restrained by the lack of equipment or lack of means of recording their ideas, but now it's so simple and so easy. If you understand it and figure it out, it, it really is easy, and then boom, what you express from your mind can be right out there musically. And it's all about just being able to dominate your interface right? So use Ableton or Fruity Loops, I mean, or FL Studio or whatever. It's all about understanding 
and dominating that interface so you can get your ideas from your head um, to the speakers as fast as possible. Because that is the instrument, you could say, of the electronic producer, because not only are they composing these massive compositions and composing all the parts, you could say, for each instrument, they're composing every sound, they're also using these DAWs, uh, these digital audio workstations. For those that don't know what a DAW is, it's called a digital audio workstation. They're using these DAWs as instruments, which are incredibly more complicated and sophisticated than some of the instruments that people play professionally. Well, right. I mean, we have uh, a nomenclature around what an instrument, I mean, not a nomenclature, we have a, a general understanding of what an instrument is, right, in, in, in the mass market, a guitar, drums, things like that, a piano. Um, these are also instruments, a computer has all those things. And eventually when computers are all quantum based, they'll be run in quantum strings. So like it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It's really about the tool that allows the brain to express sound. And if it's the guitar, that's pretty quick, right? And pretty well known. If it's the drum, same thing. But the computer just is, uh, man, it's a universe. Of, of of possibilities my puppy is begging or my dog she's two and a half years old, begging me for a treat <laughs> will you right please now? give her a treat worldwide <laughs> we're now in 27 <laughs> countries we're all listening to you give you your dog a treat what is your dog's name uh juno juno, juno the goddess of marriage and love yeah. key to <laughs> key to making good music and staying afloat in in this scene sure so, yeah let's keep our pets happy Give me, give me literally like two seconds. Yeah, no worries. We talked oh, about baby. how important pets are and how much they mean to us when we spoke to uh, Natalie Lucia Anderson, who could channel the spirits of deceased pets and also living pets. And we're uh, back yeah. with Josh back. Hernandez. Okay, so let's let's walk it back a little bit. Let's talk about the beginnings of you and electronic music because. It seems like you've been around since technology evolved enough to where computers were starting to be used more as instruments and, and as interfaces. So as a personal experience, when did you develop interest in electronic music? Like when did you notice that you were attracted to that type of music? Well, to me, it was the Nintendo entertainment system. And even before that, the Commodore 64, um, like just the sounds and the repetitiveness of those kinds of things in, in games, right? Um, uh, turned something on and I was uh, obsessed with it to the point where um, I would jerry-rig my Nintendo or my Sega Genesis or whatever console I had to tape players so I can record the background audio to whatever game I could get my hands on. And I had a collection of hundreds of tapes at one point. Um, and then techno started, right? Uh, Quadrophonia was a track that I remember very, very vividly in my brain uh, that just screamed dancing <laughs> and, and nothing else. And who is that composed um, by? Who is Quadrophonia? Uh, Quadrophonia, I think it's by, uh, uh, I think it's Quadrophonia by Quadrophonia. Oh, okay. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's back then making tracks like these were not as easy as today. 
and it took these guys a lot more time. You had uh, a lot of folks that would just have one track that would they would be able to get to vinyl. And if that wasn't a hit or got into the clubs or whatever, they they never made another song. You know, um, today we have tens of thousands of tracks going online every single week. It's pretty um, mind blowing the output. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, techno from there and then uh, during college, I spent a lot of time in the clubs, you know, dancing to um, house and uh, saw the introduction of drum and bass uh, to uh, the scene and that's when it really hit me this stuff is evolving and it's ever so changing and there are so many genres now and I started to follow the artists at that point I stopped to think about uh, whatever the DJ was playing or the genre was in the club and I was like who's making these songs and I need to know who's making these songs and 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 figure that stuff out. And back then it was a pretty disjointed universe, right? Right, because it seems um, like originally, like you were saying, just to, uh, to just point out that most people process electronic music when they went to a rave or they went to a big house party. They weren't necessarily thinking about the DJs and the tracks. They were just going mm -hmm. by style. So you'd go into a room, there'd be drum and bass, there'd be jungle, there'd be, you know, these other styles like... Uh, house music and, and but you weren't thinking about oh what song was that it was just kind of the right. rhythm the style and 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 the space for it and it that changed that started changing for people because i remember when that changed for me when i first heard square pusher and um <laughs> you know that that Hell changed yeah. my life in 2002 because i used to process electronic music that way you know i heard my name is square pusher i think it's called the original from like way back um that track but um it was just insane. It was slowed down drum and bass and it just, it was so, had such unique composition that I was like, this is something completely different. My red hot car. <laughs> okay. There you go. Like the one for me. Oh yeah. And, it's incredible. Um, just the chops and, and, and just the deliberate arrangement. Um, but it's why they called it intelligent dance music, right? It was fucking just mathy and geeky and, and you had to be pur purposeful. There were a lot of rules around what they were trying to do. Right. That's when it was IDM. Um, I forgot about IDM. Right. Um, and he probably wouldn't have called it that. That was no. just, you know, that was us. That was us <laughs> trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. It was mind blowing. We were trying to describe what was going on to people. And, and uh, that's how genres actually, you know, really take hold. It's, it's like, it's describing a movement of musicians of sound uh, when there's a hot sound, all the producers want to do it. <laughs> right. You know, um, and that's cool because that fills up the genres and that, uh, that makes uh, club mixes and all that kind of stuff possible. Right. Otherwise, you know, we would just be curating the top 60 tracks in EDM every year. And that's, you know, like we'd be just be looking forward to those singles. And no, no, there's a, there's a mountain of stuff because there's a mountain of, well, there, there's a mountain of, of moments that require 
this music. Right. Um, so, okay. So you're not just parties. You're noticing this shift from style to composition and it's attracting you more. Right. And right. is this the point where you start to formulate what section Z will become? No, at this point I start thinking, I want to make electronic music All right. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and how is it done? And clearly you need a computer and, um, you know, just went through that entire process while going through art school. Um, and then moving to Chicago from Puerto Rico. Um, and that was uh, a pretty big event in my life because uh, Chicago was an electronic music culture like I had never experienced. In Puerto Rico, I was in my own head, right? With my video game music and my some of my friends liked it. Um, then the youth club scene, which is just exists no matter what, period, like it is, it's going to always be there. The music that's played, who knows what it's going to be, right? But Chicago <laughs> was house music. Chicago was drum and bass parties. Chicago was alternative fucking uh, uh, rock that blended in with all the punk side of the electronic side of, of the scene. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins um, is a you know product of these this smashing <laughs> of of cultures and and things of, of this city. So you notice that Chicago had this melting pot of different oh, styles man. and then the support, the audience was there. They were enthralled a, by the music and, and you saw it in all the different sectors that were around right. uh, Chicago. There was a club called Shelter. Shelter had several rooms. I don't remember exactly how many, to be honest. Always stoned. And back then, <laughs> pot, uh, and back then pot did a lot more to me than it does <laughs> Um, and I used to drink a lot more back then. Sure. Um, but had many rooms, many genres, many people vying for your attention, many vibes. Um, and, and that's what I was saying. Like, like it's just this pot of things. And my interest in uh, programming, I start to do digital like websites and marketing. I started working for a marketing company at the time. And my interest in creating... Uh, websites and, and, and active websites, right? The websites that did stuff like, uh, because when Section Z formed originally, it wasn't a, a community or a record label or anything. It was a, it was a band okay. of, of like-minded free loops musicians. And we were exchanging free loops files and samples with each other. Um, so we could see how we did, how we did stuff and then we collaborate. You know, I, I, I do 16 bars, pass it on. Another artist would do 16 bars in Greece, pass it on. Another artist in Canada would do 16 bars, pass it on. And then five or six artists later, we had this like six minute crazy ass collab where everybody's trying to peacock what they know about electronic music at the time. And we would put these finished things up on uh, a front page driven, Microsoft front page driven website at the time, pure HTML, like files uploaded painstakingly via FTP taking forever via pre DSL connections, <laughs> right? 5k like, a second. Yeah. So we, so, so here we have, here's our, here's our, our, our 12 track album of crazy Fruity Loops music. <laughs> right. And 
I got emails from other people in the community because I was also helping uh, uh, image line the people who run uh, Fruity Loops with the community side, the forums and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, which I got involved with because they busted me uh, with a cracked version of Fruity Loops. So they put me to work on their forums. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're like, hey there, buddy. Uh, we noticed your serial number says Happy Joy Joy. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's actually not official. <laughs> yeah, true story. Literally, you got it. That's funny. Uh, so I started to get other emails from people in the community like, hey, could you put up my EP? Could you put up my track? Could you put up our project? And it became a list of 100 songs and then oh, 200 wow. songs. And all this was like manual fucking input it in, you know, it wasn't like your SoundCloud uploader or whatever. Right. Um, it took audience, some time per track. Your, yeah, your audience currency drops weren't happening then. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm like, this is awesome, but it sucks because uh, I was in a pretty terrible marriage at the time, pretty young to be married, too young. Okay. And I needed to to get out of that and it, it did happen uh but i was also learning how to code active asp websites and, and the back end stuff and finally automated all of that process and the sections and community was born and that went from uh year one about 500 or so uh, artists signed up and uploading their fl studio files and their samples and their meaty and the whole thing for the whole world to download, share, and figure out how to do shit with. And today you get emails from managers like, hey, this melody and stuff sounds pretty similar to my guy's remix from 3,000 years ago. Like, are you sure they're not? Like, did they make this themselves? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm seriously just, I wish you could see my face. I'm just like, man, you know. <laughs> I was like, they, they, they love the artist that you represent. I'm sorry that this happens, but back in the day, we didn't think this way, like at all. We used to literally be able to share our entire fucking project files, and 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 that's how we learned from each other. That's how it evolved so quickly. So there was no coveting of right. the artists of that time of of their no, unique sound that, designs, their sound, the whatever no, bass kick that they came up with that was so deep and powerful. Bullshit. <laughs> imperialistic style management like making the artist this golden goose egg that is like untouchable and sensitive um and you know they turned it into this like you know guarded type of game that exists today where <laughs> artists think that you know they're a little bit more special than they are but back then right. it was so new. It right. was all egoless, right? It was just, it was so new. Right. There was people right, couldn't right, even right. attach an ego to it. Cause it was just, it was just all fresh. We didn't have our James Brown yet. Yeah. Um, so, so then <laughs> when, uh, when did you notice that section G Z now that you had these artists coming on board and, and things were happening, when did it start to become successful? Not just monetarily, but where, when it actually started to influence culture. Um, I'd say that when there was about 15,000 or so musicians, but the sad part was that we just didn't know what we had. <laughs> like, like if you go 
back and really fundamentally break down that website, it was SoundCloud way before SoundCloud, right? Oh, wow. And we just we just didn't know what we had. Um, I didn't know what I had. I didn't understand uh, that it was anything more than just this community, right? I didn't see it as a business model. And everybody's trying to tell me like, you need to find a business model and whatever. And I'm like, no, I just want artists to put up their music here and show it to the world. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> so it <laughs> was know? in a sense, this proto SoundCloud, but you were doing right. it surely out of the love of community and the music itself. Correct. It's running out of an actual real server center, downtown Chicago costs hundreds oh of dollars God. to run a month. Um, and uh, at some points when we were doing competitions like the summer electronic music games, um, it would cost thousands of dollars to host because we had a lot of traffic. We had we had actual uh, uh, printed press things happening at the time. So where was uh, the money coming from that was enabling you to pay for this stuff? Were there were you getting revenue from <laughs> downloads or were people uh, donating? First job. My first job paid for the second passion. Like then. <laughs> Um, all the downloads were free. Um, the only thing that was gated was actual participation. Like I, 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 if you were going to upload to section Z, you had to review music on the website. You had to go and participate in the community. Damn. Like that was the only thing that I thought to gate. I didn't think anything else on that, on that side. That's and so ahead of its time. I, I'm over here building other businesses on the side, right? Like I'm working for advertising agencies, public relations firms. I'm working for, uh, at, at one point myself with dozens of clients creating websites and uh, real estate websites and all sorts of stuff back in the day. I didn't think about it that way. You know, to me, it was just like uh, a way to help uh, people learn how to make electronic music because nobody knew how to work the DAWs at the time. So then how did this online community, this proto SoundCloud, which is absolute genius, by the way, just want to say that you're a trendsetter, trailblazer, absolute genius. Um, when did it morph into more of a management type situation? So that was years after the community hit its peak, right? Because uh, um, after doing the... Uh, dead mouse demo and us like parting ways um i went on to go to uh fill a goal of mine which was to create video games right <laughs> another another obsession with the music soundtracks of, of the video games was the video games themselves so, <laughs> right so so you had this artist i mean his name's joel zimmerman he goes by dead mouse now but at the time when he first started working with you, he was going by uh, Halcyon 441. Yes. And yeah, that, that was his community name. Right. And he, you guys had an actual release together, Section Z Volume 1, way back in 2002. Was and the, that, uh, was, that was to help fund the community, right? Okay. Um, and it, it featured what I thought were the most active community members, the leaders of the community, the ones that were... Um, you know, online creating dialogue with each other, um, that kind of stuff, and 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 we're uh, really figuring out how to get that professional sound, right? And, and, and that group of people. So before before Section Z became a record label, you had this online community, and you had some artists, some that you featured specifically, 
that were doing really well. But was Joel's career really taking off at that point? Was he like the star no. of your scene or how did that work? No. It, it, back then it didn't work like that, right? Like we didn't have this hierarchical system that got put in place kind of, you know, by them anyway. <laughs> um, but uh it was it was very very small community small town feel like where i'm from you know um i still drive things like that like we have to be family driven and, and we have to help each other out kind of stuff um his stuff took off after it was it i was already well on my way to start my first video game when his stuff started to take off um we parted ways before he even got involved with play me records uh and uh it, it was at, at my choice we had a little falling out uh, because of an event that happened in his life and you know he even asked me to 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 come back and i wanted to go make video games at the time so i didn't even think like you know i knew he was going to be successful anyway it's like it doesn't need my fucking help so you know? he asked you to come back that was like circa 2005 you would say yeah yeah around there 2005 and, six and really right. you've been public about the fact uh, in the past, you know, you had a big article on youredm.com that caused a little controversy. And of course, right. um, there was other articles where you've just been public about being a, a force in his career early on. And you've also been public about the fact that you kind of parted ways because of the fact that he wanted to take on this dead mouse persona. Is that true or is that a misconception? No, that's, that, that's a total misconception. Okay. Like, uh, where, where, where the falling out was, was I was in, I was asked to be interviewed by your EDM, which is pretty much like the biggest joke publication to me. And, uh, and they, <laughs> at they, the time they, they, asked, they were doing okay, but yeah, they've, they've since tapered off quite a bit, seven or so years later. Well, right. Right. And, and, you know, even today they, they there's, they do good work. They, they interview <laughs> the people and stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little half baked. It's a little contrived. You know, it could be, it could be, it could be bigger. It could be way bigger. It could be way more. Um, it could be way better. Anyway. So I was asked to be interviewed. I was asked questions about like my origin story with him, which I answered to the fidelity of my knowledge. And um, it just turned out that that hadn't been how, um, anybody had been informed uh, of, of the origin of, of, of that head, right? Um, and he asked them to take it down. And then it became a controversy because then they were, they uh, became all papers, please. I needed to prove to them that I was their manager, that I was, that I was his manager. And I've never said I was his manager. I was very early in his career. I was running uh, Section Z. Uh, obviously, I was doing managerial type things that an artist would need that later one would consider to be management, right? <laughs> but, but at the time, um, like visa stuff, like a lot of artists come to me now because I can get your fucking visa if you're if you got a real career, right? If you're not begging for shows, if you're a real, real potential artist that can travel the world and become an international star, I can help you get your visa, period. And I've done dozens now. And uh, it all started because of that experience, right? I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I needed to get from the U.S. to Canada. We were trying to figure out a bunch of things out. 
and uh, and then on top of that, helped them to print his demo out. Which back then, printing a CD out wasn't a fucking easy thing to do. There wasn't right. a, a website you went and you uploaded stuff to. You so know? people I mean, said you were his manager, but you never actually publicly claimed to be his manager, except the fact that you probably did ninety nine point five percent of what is considered to be managerial duties. I mean, shit. Uh, <laughs> look, my whole thing with him right now is I've tried to mend that bridge a couple times. Um, he thinks every time I try to talk to him, I'm trying to extract like like text libel or some bullshit. Uh, it, the mind's poisoned by lawyers. I've done nothing but continue to do what I did sure. when I found him, which is continue to find musicians around the world, empower them, help them when they need it, um, just like him send them a couple hundred bucks if they're broke. Like when nobody knows who the fuck they are, I've usually been there first. And that's simple um, because I follow the trends and I follow the talent um, that I learned because of those experiences way back then, right? Um, I'm not trying to contrive like my history with people because I want to write a book that has the accurate uh, depiction of that whole thing from the drive to Chicago to Niagara Falls in a snowstorm to do this first show. I have the right to tell my life story, whether he decides uh, if he's going to like it or not. Damn right. right you do. So on that side, um, you know, just to clarify, if you go back, so your EDM goes all papers, please on me. And I'm like, all right, I so show him a couple of screenshots, like a letter that we wrote to Steve Duda for, uh, you know, some sponsorship to have him come to the U S and that's it. They don't get anything else. Like you guys asked me for the interview and then all of a sudden you asked me to prove my 10 point management red light fucking documentation. Stuff. After the interview. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And then, and then as I find out later, they, they blacklisted me and it's my fault that I tell my story. I'll get them. I'll get them. Well, I think your story will be told right now. Yeah. It's being told, you know, around <laughs> the world to 26 countries, potentially 27, I think now. But so then, so, okay. So to get away from that, because now we've yes, cleared up please. some misconceptions about all that, which, you know, people like to gossip. They like to say various things on forums. Now we know the truth. Oh. Josh Hernandez will come back anytime and clear up anything that you want him to. <laughs> yep. But Okay. Easy. So. So you're making video games at that point, but then you're, you want to go back to music. What called you back to section Z? Savant. Okay. Uh, uh, Shannon McGill, who was running the community at the time while I was doing uh, school, uh, I'm, I'm doing the, the video game school stuff. Um, and uh, he was instrumental in keeping the community alive. Uh, during the during that time, Savant um, was. No, no, no. Shannon McGill was. Shannon McGill. Oh yeah, he used. Yeah, to, yeah, I remember yeah. he was the host, and you guys had a Section Z podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, right. I remember that. And um, he had a similar conviction to my own, very community driven stuff like that. Um, and he, they reach out to me. It's like, hey, <laughs> uh, this Savant thing's kind of taken off, and what do we do? And um, how do we how do we know how much to ask for bookings? And I explained to them formulas and the business model side of things. And at the time, I had just started a startup with 
uh, one of the co-founders of Groupon uh, uh, because I was uh, working for their investment firm as their entrepreneur in residence, helping them vet investments such as Instacart, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, uh, and I take advantage of a Christmas party that they're having because they knew that I'd like music and that I like did the talent thing. And they're like, yo, could you get Dead Mouse to come to our, 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 our Christmas party? It's like, no, but I got something better. And I was like, Savant, he's like the newest thing. Like, you got to hear him. And this is all for an office party. Oh, my <laughs> you know gosh. I mean? You know? Um, but these are some of the most fucking rich and influential people in Chicago technology. And um, I saw the opportunity to bring, you know, uh, some culture here, get to meet him in person. Because I, I, I had uh, uh, obviously, like, met him online when he was, like, 16 years old. Yeah, and let's just clear it up for people that have never heard of Savant before because there's so many listeners that may not have. Savant is an incredible, incredible electronic artist from Norway, and he has some superhuman composition skills, and he has a life that gives him the ability to focus on electronic music in such a way that he's able to almost instantly download music and get it out through the DAW onto uh, a platform. He he speaks with God in my mind. I, I've thought that many times. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on the origin of Savant for people that have never heard of him before? So he was a Section Z community member named Morphine. And uh, he's a ultra talented musician, visual. That I've, he's written scripts that I've read that are fucking crazy incredible. Um, now he's doing video games. Right now he's working at a video game company that helped him do his award-winning video game, Savant Ascent, which is available on the Steam uh, store and iOS and Android still. And it's a really popular game. Um, won awards, if I already said that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, uh, it's just he's just one of these, he, he's fucking Leonardo da Vinci, man. He does everything. When know? I first discovered Savant's music, and we'll go back into Josh for a second, but you got to get a little Savant context. When I first discovered Savant's music, it was in 2012. Excuse me, 2000, is it 10? No, it was 12. 2012, I was talent scouting for a festival. And they wanted me to book electronic artists. And I really was diving in to try to find the newest sounds. I discovered this guy from England, okay? His name was, well, at the time, now it's Mizuki. He, he used to go by Mizuki's oh. Last Chance, okay? So I'm listening to Mizuki's Last Chance, incredible right music. He had the 8-bit, you know, he was the first, kind of one of the first artists that people described as chip step, which is like 8-bit chip right. tune mixed with dubstep sounds. Yeah, <laughs> and then one day, so I followed him on Facebook, and one day he was going gaga. He was incredibly enamored with this guy named Savant who had just came out with this album called Ism. And he was just talking about how Whoa. this guy was the greatest guy's ever heard in his life. And I felt that Mizuki's last chance was amazing. So I was feeling that if he thought Savant was the greatest thing since sliced bread, then I better go check this guy out. And when I did, I was absolutely astounded, not only by, like I said, his superhuman composition skills, but just the way his music makes you feel. Transcends genres. He's one of those artists 
where you feel his energy coming through the music more than the music. You feel him, you feel how he composes coming through the music versus just the sounds themselves. And then when you focus on the sounds and the compositions, it's absolutely mind-blowing. And, and that's, uh, that's, I mean, I could have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now Savant's yeah. blowing up. This is, uh, let's put a year on it. You're thinking 2011, 2012, 2010. Where are we at with this? Right. So we, oh man, I think we're at about 2012. Okay. And um, I'm asked So you're to, advising Shannon and everyone I, I, at Sanctuary advising shannon and 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 alex about what's happening the tour side of things they have an agent and all that um i'm asked to go drive that um you know from from gig to gig to help save some money right okay um and i don't know who the agent is at the time uh it turns out he ends up being a shyster and shafts it on for almost 17 grand uh but at the time um, I got to watch the rocket ship and drive the rocket ship um, uh, while he was doing his debut tour here. And then it also became painfully obvious that he needed a more professional business approach to what the management side was doing, right? And even though I wasn't a formal artist manager, I was asked specifically by him to just here, I need you to take the, over what's happening with my career because there's too many hands in, in my pots and too many things going on and I need complete control. <laughs> so he's like, can you do this for me? And at the time, I was a director of innovation at one of the hottest mobile uh, development companies in Chicago. <laughs> and I was literally learning how to go full artist management with Sublime and I'm selling millions of dollars worth of applications and business to like fortune 500 companies here in Chicago. <laughs> so you had the um, opportunity traveling. to stay in the business world if you wanted to, or now take on this other role. Right. And the duality plays itself out because traveling the world with Alex that first time seeing the U S seeing people, seeing technology, made me really question what I was doing on that side, right? On the technology side. And uh, then already doing A&R on the Section Z side um, by immediately choosing to work with a very young Virtual Riot, um, a very hungry and ambitious Mr. Bill who could give albums at a time just like Alex, right? Um, who I picked because I thought he would bring IDM type sound and structure to the pop scene, right? Once once uh, he got his head out of his ass and he has <laughs> in a big way. You know, he was one of the first artists that I noticed he kind of crossed over into the Burning Man kind of uh, hippie jam band scene. I saw his name on a lot of festival posters before any of the other artists you mentioned. It's, it's just smart shit. And that's a blessing and a curse because his ambition is i think like uh man it's it's music perfection it's song perfection and and i think he's achieved where he wants to go um, i can't talk about what i know now but, sure sure um, it's good stuff there um, so so section z though at that point when savant's career is taking off he's asking you to be his 
full-on management uh, personnel and taking care of all those aspects of his life, was that also when you solidified what Section Z was? Right. At that point, we're we're pumping out fucking records. Okay. Like, um, at a at, at a at a pretty big pace, like uh, you know, at one point we're doing you know three or four releases a month, um, big compilations um, with you know dozens of tracks on them, introducing dozens of artists, which many have stayed on till today, um, and and uh, <laughs> like with anything to do Section Z, it's just like just don't know what we have. Like it's, it's, there's one point where in the label competition lineups at the end of the year, like it's section Z and monster cat fighting for the top two. I noticed <laughs> and, that over the years. Yeah. And, and, and here you have like never say die starts to come up. Right. And then all of a sudden disciple shows up. And I remember the day and the conversation that I had with Rossi uh, over at Never Say Die, what I'm not over at. I'm sorry, that's that's <laughs> Rossi over at Disciple. Okay. Um, when when he wanted to start to work with uh, Virtual Riot, he even asked to work with Savant, but Savant doesn't want to work with anybody. He worked with Section Z because he had to. <laughs> right, he needed some yeah. form of management. That's yeah. the thing that I feel yeah. like. Just to back up on Savant a little bit, that's one of the things that makes him unique. He's had complete control of his career since day one. It sounds like they had a little misstep at the beginning, but after that, he's had complete control over his career, right. much like a jam band like Fish 100%. or these independent artists like String Cheese Incidents in the jam band world. And there's so many other independent artists that have, like Fugazi, has complete control of their career. So all, nobody's telling them how to put anything out or when to put anything out. He put out four albums in 2012 and if you count 2011 and also 2013 he had like seven albums right that's some artist's entire career and, and people think they're legends still to this day and that was just one year for that dude he's sitting on he's sitting on that much more right oh now. that's great it's like like clearly even though his output's been a little slower over the years um you know he hasn't been touring he's just been you know <laughs> making music the entire time so uh, a lot to come from him and you know the pandemic reset a lot of things and i'm really happy he's back home in norway i think california could suck up a man right and a woman and a they man and an every man well one thing that uh, he never thought about which when i first met you guys uh years ago at a show in eugene i, I mentioned briefly backstage but one thing that he's never thought about is that in norway or maybe has in norway they don't fluoridate the water. There's no fluoride in the water in Norway. So he grew up his entire life in Norway with unfluoridated water. Then he moved to L.A., which has been fluoridated since 2004. So regardless of how people feel about fluoride and its dental effects, it does have a psychic effect, energetic effect on your spiritual effect. So at first, you're feeling the sunshine of L.A., the amazingness. But at some point that fluoride kicked in and it sometimes yeah. it kicks in, it influences your thoughts, it influences your feelings. Oh, that, that was, was back not lost in, on him. Yeah, and it's not lost on him. He realized it that. was it, it was not lost on him because like two things that drove him crazy about the water in the United States was the amount of chlorine and the smell, right? Right. It's like pool water. Um and then and then uh the fluoride, like it it was uh it's 
It's a drug. It's an it's an obsession when you know what it is. Like like why is it in the water? But he he, uh, you know he uh, like every body that changes environment um love to make comparisons and alex's biggest strength is his ability to make analogies um so he made many analogies about the water in the u.s <laughs> that, were, <laughs> that were not that were not kind yeah i'm sure some are kid friendly <laughs> so tell yeah. me more look dude i want to know more about you as a person okay we've heard about your life story we're getting towards the end of section z but i want to hear the Section Z closed its doors in 2016. I want to hear real quick, why did Section Z close its doors in 2016? What was it? What was happening? Was the industry tapering off? Were you just getting tired of it? What, what happened around that time? Relationships were strained. Um, there was, you know, a breakup between uh, Shannon and Savant and I. Okay. Um, so those, those relationships, like, changed the dynamic of everything. Um, and then... I'll answer it with an event that happened in the future, if okay. I if I if I may. Sure, you can do anything. So, so in uh, 2019, I'm touring uh, a strange music with my artist Hush, who's signed to their label now, and he's walking us through this entire operation. Um, that has merchandising, printing, soundstage, recording studios, um, uh, staff that's pouring through databases. Like it's just the absolute perfect indie model, all self-contained to serve the artists. And that's why I shut Section Z down because it was becoming a or at least like it needed to compete in a space with the ultra records and uh the spin-in records and the template records and um i i i thought that things were uh becoming more just catering to the touring side of the music and and it was veering away from the listening side so those two trends plus the strains, plus then the absolute need to, to hunker down and understand and become a master at artist management, right? I'd done video games, I'd done internet, I'd done programming, I'd done team building, I'd sold a company, fucking got a patent, like worked for investment firms, but I still had not truly become an artist manager, right? And I needed to focus on that. What was the deficiency I, you were feeling? It wasn't a deficiency. It was it was simply a focus, right? Um, it was understanding how to navigate in the music business. It was understanding how to navigate um, with my artists across those different things: publishing, uh, touring, their merchandising, like uh, really understanding the model to be something of. I want you to become an entrepreneur. I want you to own your business. I want you to learn this stuff. I don't want to be your servant, right? So the Section Z management stuff up until that moment was like, okay, I'm just getting things done for you, even if it's a fucking fire that you started, right? Which, you know, as a manager, you got to do. But that's not what I wanted for the future of artist management. 
I don't, I, there's a catering because certain folks just don't want to do certain things and they delegate, right? But I wanted them to, I want all my artists from the youngest age to know what publishing is, um, how that gets collected and adds up across all the countries. I want them to know um, how to create a publishing company and have separate bank accounts for that company, how to establish that company, how to, uh, you know, how to pool with people to pay a lawyer to look at documents, how to do all the things that they need to do so that if their manager gets, gets hit by a bus, some dude can't come and just take advantage of their bereavement and go like, oh man, this guy took care of everything. He has no idea how much money he has. <laughs> like, like I, I want them to become independent in a way that empowers them to become millions, millions of artists. Like, like there are uh, actors, like there are uh, uh, stonemasons, like there are, uh, you know, countless other bakers, other professions that, that uh, seem to unionize and, and create um, homogenous environments that protect um, their interests well it seems like it's rooted in that same empathy and that same compassion and that same desire to serve the artists as your original ideas with section z at its beginning it's just mutated right. changed and evolved with experience over 20 years right and now the model is a little bit of this and a little bit of that i think that uh artists need to become part of a collective the idea of the uh, artist in their closet can only exist if that artist can sustain themselves as such right um and and this isn't to say that like people need to force themselves to be social or be on twitter or social media or like none of that stuff um but they need to be present in the participation of their business, right? Which is um, a different model than what was taught for many, many decades. Right. But they need to do it together so they can, one, make sure that they're holding each other accountable, the, that the people that are working for them are holding each other accountable, um, and that they can provide their own services. Like, Like now the trend is... I used to just target singer, songwriter, uh, producer. Now it's singer, songwriter, producer, graphic designer, 3D uh, uh, artist, video game level designer, like fucking blender expert. Like there's there's a million different configurations now. Right. And So you're trying to bring ones, all those together. Right. Bring them all together. Let them hire themselves, trade services, right, themselves. Um, and navigate the underground um, like that instead of fall into these traps of uh, managers that charge extreme amounts of money for features um, or, or playlists or connections or A&R services or, um, you know, I'll, I'll help you get your track to the right labels. Like fucking just email the label. If that's a good track, they're going to fucking take it. 
Right, because they do listen to it. So you're saying the traditional manager role, these people that are out there now, they're trapping these kids with these ideas of kind of, like you said, gatekeeping for various yeah, things yeah. or selling uh, access. Well, you're saying the tradition, the real method, the true method, not traditional, the true method is being there organically and helping the, them develop their own independence and self-sufficiency. So they're right. there on their own, but yet you're there guiding them. You're more of like a like a coach in a way than a, than a manager. The best labels, big and small, want direct relationships with their artists. And if the artists don't have a direct relationship with the people that are publishing, distributing, releasing, marketing their music, then what the fuck are they doing? (laughs) You know, um, it's important to have real relationships in this game. If you have transactional relationships in any industry, especially music, uh, you are at the whim of that machine. If you want to control your destiny, um, you need to make sure that you have real, true relationships. And that's not bugging people over I am all the time. It's just being present, um, making sure that you ask the right questions, making sure that during your time of engagement, um, you know, you're doing it right and, and you have the right expectations um, and you're talking to the right people, right? So um, um, before we go too much further, I do want to just kind of get into how you got into Zion, where you're at now. <laughs> so the company that you're at now, and then we'll, we're going to talk about advice for up and coming artists, but go. I just want to cap off your story and tell us now, because right now you're, you're heading a management company called Zion, which is essentially, like we said in the beginning, an extension of what you were doing at Section Z, an evolution where you're managing artists, you're helping them succeed, but now with a, with a new name and a new face. Well, it's defined now. now. Now I know what I'm doing, right? Now there's no SoundCloud. Uh, no, now there's no having SoundCloud and not knowing it mistakes. You know, there, there's none of that. So did you get um, called back in the same way as you did when you got called back to Section Z to where you felt artists needing no. help? You felt the call to come back to Zion? No, this was this was more like um, the things that I learned in working, you know, through those original five years, right, with to the touring and all the artist discovery stuff at Section Z. Uh, it was just here's the here's the refined version of that. Right. Um, I needed to. And, and then it was also purposefully looking for artists that were outside of the norm industry. Right. Like I wanted to open up, uh, open up where electronic music influence is, is, is made. Right. Like uh, the Middle East with Sultan and Jewel, um, the Cuba uh, communities. Uh, well, here, let me just back up a sec. Sure. So traditionally, you know, the way that artists find managers is managers find artists. <laughs> Number one, um, if you if you have something that needs managing, we're coming to knock it. Trust me, especially if you have fans um, that are managers that are already looking at you. Right. And you're going to have them if you're in the genre, if you're if you're in the music business. So just sit back, keep doing what you're doing. And the right ones are going to come begging to work with you. (laughs) Ask Cedric. Um, 
so then on on that front I wanted to make sure that I stopped working with the traditional suspects, right? Like your savants from Norway, your uh, uh, FWLRs from Canada, your comfortable, like, you know, suburban uh, artists, right? And I, I wanted to find uh, uh, artists that really needed the help. Like what's happening in Egypt? What's happening in Iran? What's happening in Cuba, right? Right, because the there's valid of, artists, incredible with this technology that's so accessible. There's now incredible artists creating this music all over the world, and in some of those places, they have limited internet access or they're impoverished, right. and and they need that extra helping hand. Whereas in America, it's so easy to get on the internet. It's not always right. like that in these other countries, like you were naming. It's, it's let's just take Cuba as an example. It's the cradle of Afro-Cuban rhythm, like dance music owes everything to Cuba, <laughs> right? right? And now these kids got computers and they are jumping on the mobile internet and their stuff is starting to permeate into the underground. Um, and they've come online as a community. Like, like you usually have artists individually vying for the attention of the labels and the managers that like are, are doing stuff in the space. These kids were an entire pod of, of, of amazing talent, like nine, 10 of them that live in a four block radius, <laughs> you oh, know, wow. um, uh, Santa Clara, Cuba. Uh, and then they have counterparts in Havana and, and there's a few of them there. Uh, and they're also doing amazing things. Like Cuba is going to explode. Think about it opening up for tourism from the United States. We have uh, festivals and stuff starting to go down um, in Cuba to reopen up this majestic island that was once a hotbed of entertainment, period, is a, is a rock's throw away from Miami, from, from Florida, right? Uh -huh. um, you're going to have, and then now post COVID, oh my God. It's yeah, just people are be ready. <laughs> party island. And what I want to make sure is that the powers that be just don't fucking fly their McDonald's over to Cuba and dump it and put speakers on it. And, and it's, it's E McDonald's C Cuba, right? Like I want it to be, this is the natural talent that has been observing the world with their electronic music rhythms, right? And their, their Afro-Cuban rhythms. This is them now put them on stage first. Right. right. Yeah, Skrillex could be Skrillex could be at the top of the ticket. Okay, it's Skrillex, right? But everybody else on that ticket needs to be local. Yeah. Needs to be like this is the future that I dream of. So this is what I want Zion to be. A place for these artists to have a, a platform. That's and and to uh empower each other to have complete command and control. Like in, in Cuba, I can teach them and they should already know. Um, how to throw raves, you know, like that's not a very difficult task. You could do that with technology from 30 years ago because we used to do it 30 years ago, right? <laughs> right? So, so we just have to go back a little bit um, to help the local scene understand what it is that they need to do to empower themselves as artists and producers and musicians locally to serve their local youth culture. And then in 18 months when COVID um, is vaccinated 
to the point where we can get really get back on the road again and we can really have these festivals and these parties and and we can really come together as a planet again at midnight oh, it's going to be amazing so this is what i want this is what i want the uh, uh this is what i want zion to be i wanted to find communities of artists like this empower them um with the knowledge that we have empower them with each other right they're all helping each other do their own artwork their own animations they're, they're we're not using third parties i'm not some magic manager like don't worry about it I, i'll come back with these things with from a friend that i know nah here's a community right now of 30 something artists that have complete access to each other um that are uh helping each other in every aspect and then um, right now, there's two and a half managers, almost three managers in there, um, watching over what's going on, helping them understand, answering any questions that they have. Um, and by the end of 2022, I wanted to be 256 artists and eight managers. And then by the end of 2023, I'm just doing the whole computer factor thing, 1,024 artists um, and... And 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 sixty four managers, right? Like, uh, <laughs> that's and, a stellar and, vision. And the man and the managers work for the artists. It's right. it's going to become a, it's going to become an artist union with bylaws that the artists write. Um, we have our mandates. There's no longer I get twenty percent from all of these artists. Like, what a greedy fuck I would be if I would do that. Um, a different. It's going to be a different paradigm. A different paradigm and then there is tying it to uh you know responsible cannabis culture um and uh bringing those two things together uh which will help power the artist development help power the services side of, of the management company and the artists can keep almost everything hook us up when you get that hit right hook us up when uh, when we have to provide consulting and management services because you are managing a billboard hit, that's good. We're going to make a lot of money when you do that, right? Because that's a lot. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it sounds like Zion is rooted in love, love of the music, love of the artists, love of creating a situation where you can have the most successful experience as an artist. And so we've got caught up with Josh, not only to 2021 where we're at now, he actually showed us a glimpse of what's coming all the way up into 2024, which is <laughs> incredible. You know, this has been such a journey and I'm so glad that you've been able to introduce yourself to our audience because electronic music is an incredible power. You know, it is incredible, but I just want to say really quick, um, you said you wanted more artists, but you also mentioned earlier that you're more of the perspective that the manager finds the artist. But are you taking artist submissions at Zion.io oh, right now? Uh, constantly, but I'll just, anybody who's listening to this, my methodology is uh, either I find it or it's introduced to me directly by another artist in the group. Like that's been my system since forever. Whenever Your personal I sign, formula. Right. Whenever I sign an album, the the next project comes from that lineage, right? Um, and 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 then, wow, the artists themselves and the introductions they make. So I, I wouldn't know Wales if Sultan 
hadn't given Wales um, my contact information so that I would have met him backstage at a Savant concert with infected mushroom in Israel when he was 14 years old. And that kid just had a massive release with Excision last week wow. um, on Subsidia Records. And he's an adult now, 20 years old. Um, and, or was he 19? Is he 19? He's, 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 he's not 14 anymore. <laughs> I, I can't keep track. I smoke too much weed. No, it's um, okay. We, you know, it's Oregon. We love weed out here. That's, uh, that's what we <laughs> do. I get all my nutrients from. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. So what advice would you have now? Let's, cause there's going to be young electronic artists, potentially teenagers, but definitely across the right. spectrum that are going to be interested in what we're talking about and respecting you as a force in the industry, what advice could you give them starting out as the best way to promote themselves or get themselves noticed? Um, well, rule number one, the only magic is the music. Everything else is work and relationships and, um, uh, and then a lot of luck, right? Right place, right time. Uh, but what you need to do to get noticed today is like with anything else that you're into, find that community um, and start with your local community, right? Like it, it'll be easy to jump into some big ass Ableton group online or some big discord with, you know, 6,000 people. But what about the four people at your college that are also interested in doing the same thing that you're doing? That's your path to get started. Like if you are able to truly connect with other people that have the same interests as you at that, you know, I'm assuming this person is younger and they're getting started. Right. Sure. But if you're able to, if you're able to make those connections right then and there, that's the beginning of it because it never stops after that. It's constant connection for the next thing, constant connection for the next thing. So you find your community, you find your community and then you start making connections and that's the beginnings of a, a professional career. Period. Simple, no tricks, no cash advances. And it's not that hard to do these days with things like discord groups and various forums. There's all these places to connect online that are fairly uh, designated. They're labeled and they're easy to find. But then go, go from there and then drill down to your local. Right. Like find, find your local people. I mean, especially when we, when we get out of this, uh, these lockdowns here, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to really understand the value of these connections more than ever. Um, but we've also learned how to work a little bit better via remote, which is kind of cool. Well, there is this technology here, just like we're having this interview via zoom and you're in Chicago and I'm in Portland, Oregon, the technology has evolved. We now have had the time because of the situation to really focus on understanding how this technology can unite us and how it works and how to use it even more efficiently. Right. And, and electronic music owes its entire, you know, up and coming because of the evolution of technology. So uh, no stranger to it on this side. What it's going to influence, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so what are some of the big trends and sounds that you are seeing on the horizon as a person that has decades of experience and you've noticed these trends, you've noticed how sounds evolve. What are some of the trends and sounds that are coming in the electronic music scene? 
So I'm I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing just a, a plethora of uh, listening music, right? Music that uh, carries a lot of melody, carries a lot of color, uh, carries a lot of emotion. Um, I think we are moving away from the heavy-handed, you know, let's pack the room with sardines, you know, kind of stuff. Um, I think uh, the trend is is clearly clearly melodic for the next several years. Well, for the I last think, few years, it was rhythm based and very heavy and almost like the heavy metal of electronic music. Yeah. So, but that you're saying now it's moving away from rhythm towards this more compositionally structured, this more melodic music. I heard ambient rhythm today. What? I heard ambient <laughs> rhythm today. A 16 year old kid from Germany. Um, and he just needs some help with the mix. Oh my God. But, That's why I love music. It never stops. It's infinite. Um, but, but what I mean is, is there's, there's a trend that's going away from the club music, right? Like there's, there's no clubs. <laughs> so why would we, why would we continue to, to focus on club music? Um, then the other big ass trend is albums, big packages, like a trend away from the single flirty I'm just going to talk to you for three minutes and then I'm going to have to wait three months until I come back from the war kind of stuff. You know, um, it's, it's high time that electronic musicians serve their audiences directly. Stop serving them singles, stop trying to be relevant on social media and start being, you know, relevant in their fans, you know, timelines and ears. Right. Just give them essentially, um, it's the golden rule. Give the people what they want. Right. And if you find the people that you love and they love you kind of try to resonate with their feelings are and try to, you know, see if you can make music that matches that. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying step away from the quickie culture of the last 10 years. Right. Um, where you just had the quick drop and you did the tours and you went away, came back with another quick thing, did the tours, went away. and now that you've been home, spent a lot of time, you know, with yourself, with your music, making albums with your fans, a lot of artists didn't have the connections that they have with their artists now, right? Before this happened. Um, don't just jump, try to jump back into what was happening before. Uh, give them mountains of music. That's why they're following you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're not following you to know how you're fucking feeling in the morning. They love to know how you're feeling in the morning because they love your fucking music. Right. So That's just, it. Just give them so what they need, really. Not just what they want, but what they need, the frequencies. They need the healing that comes right. from that. And this is a perfect segue into something that I want to ask you about. We usually wrap it up about an hour and a half or so, but we're feeling good. It's about an hour and 15. I just want to talk to you about something. We like to talk about spiritual things on Midnight on right. Earth. We've had Egyptian shamans on and uh, Hungarian shamans. And I just want to know what your thoughts are about an EDM artist, a, a producer on a stage fulfilling some sort of shamanic role. Because it seems when people get together at these shows, it's no secret that a lot of them are on psychedelic drugs. And when we're together in a group and there's uh, several, potentially thousands of humans 
taking psychedelic drugs together, it creates a certain frequency, a certain energy that then the guiding force, the music, is the shaman fulfills a shamanic role. And that could be fulfilled by the DJ. Now, Josh, how many of the artists that you worked with are cognizant of the shamanic aspect of electronic music? I'd, I'd say that two of the artists that I've worked with understand it like that, right? Like Alex being uh, one of them because he's just connected to the ether. Um, it's 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 a skill that I think all artists should have, right? Like, what is that feeling? What is that connection? Um, it, it's not because uh, they're guiding uh, so, people through an experience, especially well, when well, they're on these psychedelic drugs, whether it's MDMA, which is popular in the electronic music scene, or LSD, and now everybody is kind of together using DMT. So it's kind of like when these people are doing this collectively, and then there's this right. guiding force. I mean, they're the ones controlling these people's trips in a way. But here, here's the thing. Like, I've seen folks just go into absolute trance with, with nothing. They're just, they're just there. Right. It, it, like, I have a picture uh, that I wish I could just – I'll show you. I'll send it to you later. Okay. Uh, but it's a picture of, like, fans just reaching for the artist. Like, oh, my God. Like, like literally like they're reaching for God, right? Like, like they, they, they need this in their lives. This moment is one for them. And, um, artists, the most humble artists that I've worked with are the ones that realize it the most, right? Like, um, like, like they see, uh, the change that they cause in people when they play for them. And I've seen it. I've, I've seen the swarms of people just come after artists backstage, like with their eyes, not glazed over because they're on E, well, maybe one of them E, maybe another's on DNA, they're just, they're just excited to see the creator of this music and this sound that they're such big fans of. And, and that's a high that I, I well, that's a high that I, I, I understand because um, I have, uh, you know, m- my moments with the music like that, with fan, with, with fandom too, with just the people who create it. I mean, the reason I work with artists and, and, and go through all this shit is because I just love them. <laughs> and it, it's, I fall in love with talent. You know, you know I was going to say, Josh, that uh, my, I've seen an, a significant amount of live music in my life. I've probably seen, <sighs> 800, 900 concerts. I was a big jam. I still am a big jam band fan. I was a bigger jam band fan when I was younger. Saw a considerable amount of shows, but of course I love all music. So I've seen a lot of concerts in my entire concert history. I've never seen an artist be chased out of a building by the crowd. And I saw that when I saw Savant in Eugene, Oregon back in 2015, the crowd chased him outside like a mob and they followed him out the back door. I've never seen anything like it. It was absolutely astounding. And that's, that's the same power. That's that energy you're talking about. Right. Right. It's, it's exactly that. And, um, it's very special. Yeah. 
and and not not all artists achieve this um especially the ones that follow other artists right, right? And, and and i need to make that absolutely clear uh the only people that i've seen this kind of shit happen to are the trailblazers right like the ones who refuse to play by the rules and 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 that doesn't mean that they're assholes <laughs> they can be um that doesn't mean that they're impossible to work with they can be um it, it's just that they know their vision and that's that's really a, the manager's job is to to make sure that shit happens um if the vision is to be a pimp at the pimp convention then so be it <laughs> right if, if it's um as as long as we make sure we get publicity will you agree with me on that can we get, can we give publicity if we take you to the pimp convention like you know you, you this is what the manager's for well you did say there was two artists savant alexander venter being one of them that could feel that shamanic energy that taps into that understanding what was the I second said, artist mr mr bill mr okay bill, of course mr like, bill's like amazing he, and and he loves fucking dmt and all that stuff. oh yeah he's totally into it like <laughs> you know, some of the coolest conversations I've had around music um, and uh, the psyche and stuff was 2013, 14 with Mr. Bill. Oh, wow. Uh, he's just got, he just, you know, he likes to talk about music and that's why he's so good at it. He's a loving human. Um, I'm a loving human. You're a loving human. Josh, I want to thank you for your time here. I know we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but I know that you do have to get back to your wonderful family there in Chicago. Is there anything that you'd like to leave the audience with that you feel like they should know? Is there any kind of big profound thought that you want to leave this audience with before we uh, move on? We think at the speed of sound. So that means music is our natural language, period. That's it. I'll leave you with that. Oh, my God. That's absolutely amazing. Okay, so if you're interested in Josh Hernandez, check out Zion, Z-Y-O-N dot I-O, Zion dot I-O. Go or over there. Or noise dot F-M. Or noise, which is Zion backwards, N-O-Y-Z dot F-M. Does that have a lot of your current artist roster on it? Uh, and, and there's another six or seven that are going up next week. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so noise.fm for incredible music. Please, all of you go check that out. If you're an artist, you're an electronic artist, and you're feeling inspired, you feel connected to me and Josh in this conversation, send him an email, zion.io. And Josh, I just want to thank you for being here. And we're going to go ahead and play this outro music. And everybody, we'll see you next week. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on.